we will meditate on Psalm 130, verse 5. It says, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in His word do I hope. It seems evident to me that uh, the theme of these verses can be summed up in a single word, wait. And we, ca we can all relate to it. Waiting is something common to all human beings, from waiting in line to waiting for the person we will marry, from waiting for the workday to end, to waiting nine months to hold our children in our arms. All We all know what it means to wait. Something, so sometimes we have to wait a long time, and sometimes a short time, Sometimes waiting is easy. Sometimes it is almost unbearable. But again, we all know what it means to wait. God here speaks to us about this certain kind of waiting. However, the waiting that God speaks of here is not earthly, earthly waiting like waiting in line or waiting for the traffic light to change from red to green. The waiting that God speaks of here is essential to our Christian walk. It is profoundly transcendent of a spiritual, a spiritual nature. In short, the biblical truth of this text is that the entire Christian life can be described as a waiting upon the Lord with our soul and in His Word. Therefore, the points of this sermon will be as follow. Waiting, the object of waiting. Second, the instrument of waiting. And third, the special moment of waiting. So first, the object of waiting. Second, the instrument of waiting. Third, the special moment of waiting. Let us begin with the first point, the object of waiting. This is the first thing the psalmist say, says in our text. I wait for the Lord. Hence, the, th the first thing I wish to note in my text, and indeed what seems most important to me above all else, is the object of the waiting. What was the psalmist waiting for here? Let's, let's make it even clearer what, it, what I mean. When you go to a restaurant and order something to eat, you will be waiting. What do you wait for? You wait for the food you ordered, right? When the groom is in the church and the bride has not arrived, he will be waiting. What is he waiting for? He is waiting for the, for the bride to arrive. That is what I mean by the 
object of waiting. It is what the one who waits is waiting for. So the psalmist is here waiting, but what is he waiting for? Is he waiting for deliverance from deliverance from God? Is he waiting for some special blessing? Is he waiting for God to destroy his enemies? What is the psalmist waiting for here? Answering this question is vital because it will give meaning to the rest of, of the expressions in our text. It might seem that what the psalmist was waiting was deliverance from a difficult situation. At the beginning of the psalm, we have the expression, out of the depths. And the expression, that, that expression does not mean something like, from the depths of, uh, of my heart, but rather, from deep waters. Those words depict the image of a person who is drowning. In the darkness of the, of the deep sea, desperate and without help. After presenting so, such an image of crying out in the midst of despairing, it seems natural to assume that the waiting we are talking about in our text must be waiting for rescue of deliverance from difficulties and pains. However, the main object of the waiting in this text is not that. God does not call us here to wait as, as if saying, just be patient and I will solve your problems. Be patient, wait, and I will remove all your pains and afflictions. Although this is true from an eternal perspective, because in heaven we will not have problems or afflictions, it is not the primary object of the waiting spoken of here. It is not the liberation from our concerns, problems, anxieties, or pains that our hearts long for. God calls us to wait for something greater than that. It could also seem that what the psalmist was waiting was God's forgiveness. Right before the words, I wait for the Lord, the psalmist said, But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Having mentioned God's forgiveness, now the focus is on waiting. So it might appear that what the psalmist was waiting was precisely that forgiveness. And many times, many times God calls us to seek and wait for His forgiveness for the sins we have committed. And such waiting is something positive, something every Christian knows. However, once again, this is not the primary object of the waiting spoken of in our text. In other words, sorry, in other places, God calls us to wait for His forgiveness. But here, right here, He's calling us to wait for something else, something better 
Yes, better, better than the forgiveness of our sins. So what was the psalmist waiting for here? What is God calling us to wait in this psalm? The answer is written so clearly in our text that it is not strange for us to overlook it. The text says, I wait for the Lord. It does not say, I wait for you to remove my problems. And it does not say, I wait for forgiveness of my sins. And I do not want to diminish the, the importance of those other weights. But what the text says is, I wait for the Lord. What is the object of the waiting then? The Lord himself. The Lord. So imagine a, a woman who marries to inherit the fortune of a wealth, wealthy man. A young woman who seeks a, wo- a man with great richness to marry him. She does not expect to marry out of love. For she does not expect to marry that man out of love for her for, uh, for uh, out of love for her future husband, but out of love for the benefits that such marriage will bring. Right? The waiting spoken of here in this psalm is precisely the opposite of the, of this example. The waiting spoken here is precisely. Is we do not simply expect something from God. We expect God Himself. We do not wait for the groom's fortune. We wait for the groom Himself. And we need to note that God could not aim higher than this. God does not call us to wait simply for a blessing He possesses and wants to give us as a gift while keeping himself as a distance? No. God calls us to wait for him, for himself. And he could not choose anything more glorious to give us, because there is, not, there is nothing more glorious than himself. Let's make it more vivid. Imagine that God decides to give you everything you have ever wanted, that He decides to fulfill your dreams, solve all your financial problems, remove your physical and emotional pains, give you a perfect spouse, give you intelligent, kind, and obedient children, that He decides to give you your dream job, a big house. Even more, imagine that God promises you to receive receive you in heaven at the end of your life, Promi- that He promises to deliver you from hell, that He will not punish you for your sins, that you will enjoy eternal paradise eternally, and that you will never feel pain or, or anxiety again. Imagine that. And now, imagine that God concludes all these things things by saying but you will not have 
me. I will not be with you in any of those things. I will not be yours and you will not be mine. I will be far away amidst of those, all those delights. And even if you seek me, you will not find me because I will not be there. We would be the most miserable if we accepted that offer. What are those delights without God? Without God Himself. What are they but a hell disguised as paradise? Put it on a scale. On one side, all the blessings I have mentioned. And on the other side, God Himself being being His, and Him being yours, belonging, beholding His beauty in His holiness and entering into the deepest communion with Him. What is worth more? What weights more? What is superior? Your heart knows, if you are Christians, Christian, your heart knows the answer. Doesn't your heart say, He worths more? I choose Him a thousand times. I choose Him always, above all things. Know this, my friend. What God calls you and me to wait for is the best thing God could ever call you to wait for. Himself. The text says, I wait for the Lord. And I am not saying that we should consider the rest of the blessings that God may give us a rubbish. All I am saying is that the primary object of our waiting is not any of those blessings. No matter how good they may be, we wait for Him. And we will not settle for anything less than that. But this presents a problem. Do those of us who are in Christ still wait for God? Don't we already have the Spirit of God in, in our hearts? Hasn't the waiting ended for us? Would waiting for God then be something for unbelievers who have not yet come to the knowledge of the gospel? Do Christians still wait? I will answer this in the next point, the instrument of worship. The second thing that, that the text affirms is that waiting is done with the soul. The instrument of, wor of uh, waiting is the soul. What does that mean? It means that it is not your eyes that are waiting to see something. It is not your hands that are waiting to touch something. It is not your feet that, that are waiting to reach somewhere. Your waiting, my friend, is in your soul. God created us for Himself to have communion with Him, to find satisfaction in Him, 
and to experience the sweetest fulfillment in His greatness, His glory, His service, and His praise. God created us to have a completely satisfying relationship with Him. Nothing would have clouded our joy. Nothing would have dimmed the fullness found in His his light as long as we continue to glorify Him. That is why the the first question and answer of the Westminster Shorter Catechism states that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Our souls were created to glorify God and find in it the fullest and truest joy. But as you know, with Adam's first sin, we lost all of that. Sin took us away from God and His glory. And as a result, away from the fullness, joy, completeness, and satisfaction that can only be found in God. We, through our sin, deprived ourselves of what was our supreme good and perfect source of satisfaction. Since then, our souls have lived in dissatisfaction, always seeking and waiting for something to fill the deep void that we caused. We don't find fulfillment. We experience some pleasures here and there, but nothing that truly satisfies. Do you remember those sleepless nights when a feeling of loneliness deeply invited you? Do you remember waking up in the morning and feeling like there was no point in getting out of bed? Something in the soul of every human being cries out saying, something is missing, something is not right, something more is needed. And even enjoying the most amazing pleasures of this earth, our souls would still cry out in the same way, unsatisfaction, unsatisfaction, deep unsatisfaction. It's like like being hungry, eating, but still being hungry. It's like being thirsty, drinking water, but still being thirsty. That is the waiting of the soul in human beings. The human soul was created to immerse itself in communion with an infinite God. Naturally, none of the small things of this world will satisfy it. Don't search here. Don't expect something here. What your soul requires is not here. And that is why the biblical text says, My soul doth wait. Now, the first step to supply what the soul lacks is to believe in Christ. There is no other name given to man by which we can be saved. Only the name of Christ. God is reconciling the world through faith in Christ. Christ is 
the only mediator between God and men. To begin returning to our to to the communion for which we were created, the only way is through Christ. To start giving your soul what is what it has been waiting for, the only means is through Christ. If you haven't come to Christ, come to Him. Hold on to Him. You don't need to make yourself worthy of His salvation or, or deserve His reconciliation. Come as you are. Come broken. Come dirty. Come unworthy. Come incomplete. Come in pieces. But come. But now, I want to be very clear on this about this. Believing in Christ does not bring the soul full, absolute, eternal, unbreakable satisfaction. I don't want to give the idea that people who believe in Christ never again feel dissatisfaction or lack in their souls. By believing in Christ, the waiting of your souls does not end but intensifies even more. Consider the, that believers are described in the Bible as those who wait on the Lord. Not as those who have reached the Lord and whose waiting has ended. Look at David saying things as, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee. O God, who has who has had more communion with God than David? Wasn't he described as a man after God's own heart? And yet, he shows that his soul still longed for God. His soul still waited for God. But let me explain why coming to Christ does not satisfy the soul in an eternal way but increases its longing and thirst. So imagine you, you are coming home from a tiring day of work and your wife is preparing a dish that you absolutely love. You approach her and she gives you a small teaspoon of that dish. It's not much, just a little taste. Will you now be more at ease after having a little bit of that delicious dish? Will you have less desire, less desire to have it served fully in your plate? Now, after having a taste, a little taste of it, will you have less desire to be able to eat it without restriction? No. The small teaspoon will only increase your longing to have the full dish. And that's what happened with the soul when it comes to Christ. In Christ, we can taste a small preview, a foretaste of the full and perfect communion we will have for all eternity in glory. So yes, believers are appro appropriately described as those who wait on the Lord. The description David gives us 
of his own soul is accurate. As the heart panteth after the waters, water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And that's, that is why the text we are discussing says, My soul doth wait. And, and this speaks us to us today, reminding us of this ancient truth. My brother, your soul waits. And I know you are not well. I know your soul is not at peace. I know how much, much your soul longs for that which is, will give it rest and satisfaction. But don't try to find peace with anything in this world. Wait, brother, wait. Wait for God. Wait for Christ. Wait for Him. Whether you want to or not, your soul waits and will continue to wait as long as you, your life in this world continues. The question is, are you still waiting for God? Or have you given up and in your impatience tried to fill yourself with the things of this earth? Wait, brother. Psalm 123 verse 2 says, Behold, as the eyes of the servants look, to the hand of the masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until He has mercy on us. So here we are, still waiting for our Lord. Here we are. We will remain until the Lord have mercy on us. So thirdly, the special moment of waiting. We must note that this waiting is in the word. In other words, do I sorry in the word, in his word says says the Bible biblical text, in his word do I hope. What does that mean? We have said that the object of our waiting is God Himself. And we have said that our souls wait for Him even when we have already come to Christ and have acknowledged of the gospel. For in it we have a foretaste of what we will one day have, which intensifies the waiting. But what happened? What happens after a while of believing in Christ? How do we keep the flame of waiting alive? Isn't it true that in many of us the fervor of first love existed, but then, little by little, faded away? Isn't it true that even as a Christian, there are moments when you are so occupied with the things of this world and so distracted by earthly pleasures that you forget that this is not your home, that you still await something more? Isn't it true that your soul, your soul has gone 
through seasons of spiritual cooling? How do we maintain the hope that one day we will have? That through the word, through the word, the psalmist says, in his word do I hope. You cannot give your own soul the hope it requires. You cannot infuse life into your soul. You cannot open the heavens to behold Christ in all His glory and thus make your heart long for Him as it once did. You cannot do anything of these things. But you, one thing you can do is this. You can kneel every morning humbly, Present yourself before your Creator. Open His Word. Read it. And wait. And wait. And wait. And if it doesn't work on the first day. And your soul remains just as dry. Persevere. Be beloved brother. Persevere. A drop of water does, won't turn a desert, desert into a spring. Spring, return to that place every day. Present yourself before God with His Word open before you. But don't just read and be done. Do what the psalmist says. Wait for Him. Wait for Him. Don't keep reading just to fulfill a duty or to obtain information about God. Wait for Him Himself to visit you with renewed hope in His Word. Say this with the psalmist, O oh Lord, in the morning you will hear my voice. In the morning I will present myself before you and wait. Go every morning. Present yourself before God, reading His Word, and wait. But let me be clear. I'm not simply saying, read the Bible. That's good. But that's not what this text is about. The emphasis is, wait for God Himself in the Bible. Run to the Bible as the only real nourishment for your soul. Don't read the Bible just for the sake of reading the Bible. Don't wait in the Word just, just to wait in the Word. Wait in the Word to meet your Lord. Wait in the, in the Word to see Him. Wait in the Word to have Him. Wait in the Word to have communion with Him in that Word. Sometimes we see the Bible as, a, as the letters of a young lover, letters a young lover sends to his beloved maiden while he is away. And we believed that reading those words will only serve to remind us of the love we feel while he is not here. However, the Bible is not just a written document that remind, reminds us of who God is and 
what he did for us while God is far away. No, the Bible is powerful. It is described as living and effective. The Bible is not only meant to bring pleasant thoughts about God and touching memories to our minds. No, in reality, in the Bible, God himself himself comes and speaks to us. God visits us. God draws near. And that is why these moments of worship with the word before us are described as coming before God. It is not just about thinking something uplifting about God. We truly draw near to Him with this book, the Bible. We can truly have communion with God. God truly comes and visits us in His Word. God speaks to us, comforts us, encourages us, admonishes us, and relates to us today, here, in His Bible, in, in this earth. We have said that the first moment when one comes to faith in Christ is like a taste, a foretaste of the eternal glory we received in advance. But that is not the only foretaste we receive in this life. The Bible shows us that we can seek and expect more glimpses of this coming glory where in the Bible itself. In those moments when we come to present ourselves before Him, seeking Him, calling Him, crying out to Him, God does not promise that every time we go to His Word, we will be able to taste those previews of the coming glory. But sometimes God grants us this and renews the experience of His love and fullness in the in indescribable moments with His Word. So, first of all, we have seen that waiting for waiting the waiting we are called to in this text is waiting for God Himself, for His person, and not just for something that He has and He will give us. Are you waiting for Him, Himself? Is your soul waiting for Him? We have seen that this waiting happens in the soul, that many external things can come and go in our lives, but none of them will give our souls what, is so, it, what it des- so desperately needs which is communion with God. The fullness, the joy, the satisfaction that lies only in God, only in glorify God. We have seen that we can wait for God, for God Himself, and certain foretastes or previews of the total possession of God, where? In His Word. In His Word, in our devotion, in the public worship, we can meet with God and have communion 
a foretaste of that communion that we will have on eternal life. I want to conclude with our text once more, which says, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Amen.